0: You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. Come on, give the Lord a shout! Okay. Before you seated, before you seated, Tell somebody next to you, oh no, that old man is back. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, sit down, you people, I hate you already. I need a little bit of help. Just real quick, maybe Pastor Isaac, this thing is made for Pastor Will Ford and I'm not as tall as him, so somebody needs to bring this thing down or I'll be singing like this by the time I'm done. Just drop it, just, can, you know how to do that? Yeah, okay, you're a youth pastor, you'll figure anything out, man. Okay, keep going, keep going. Okay, a little bit up, a little bit up. No, a little bit down. No, a little bit up more. I love you, man. I-, I can do that to he and Vanessa, because they're one of our kids, and um, they, were, they were part of our ministry in Victory. And <clears throat> Landon stole them. <laughs> I'm not over it yet. We'll talk about bitterness this morning. I'm going to chase my sermon to deal with that issue. I brought an umbrella, and you're wondering why in the world did I bring an umbrella into the pulpit up in the platform? Because it's about to rain. And I'm not talking about some physical rain out there, and you'll understand, you'll understand in a few moments why I brought this as I share something with you. But I wanna prophesy right now, your rain is coming. Come on, come on. And I don't know what kind of rain you're waiting for, the thing you're hoping for, praying for, believing for. And I didn't have any idea that that Pastor Clay was gonna share what he shared. He had no idea I was gonna bring an umbrella. But I'm gonna say it again, the rain is on its way. The rain is on its way. So I'll I'll share a little bit more of that. I want to kind of give you an idea of it like that. But it's just good to be back. We love this house. You people are crazy. I feel so so at home when I come here, little nervous down front, people bouncing around i don 't know Early service, some big dude was right in front of me. I he mean, was a big dude, and he was doing his thing, and I just felt like I needed to give him a word of knowledge, a word from the lord i 'm right behind you. Watch your arms <laughs> i 'm supposed to preach the rest of the message, so watch out don 't be be careful, but it, it is just a it's a delight to be here. I'm I'm so honored to be in this house. Uh, we love we love your pastors. They are incredible uh, people. Yeah, two people like them. But anyways, <laughs> but I understand the rest of you people. I'm they're on the bubble with me too. But uh, I'm so glad. I, oh wait a minute, it just hit me. Oh man, babe, they're streaming this service, aren't they? i think they're the greatest people that ever walked the planet there's nobody better than them i'm telling you right oh i'm feeling an anointing even as i say it somebody say amen did you hear that did you hear that two people in the back didn't say anything ushers get them out of here right now so but really seriously sorry for the, the, the 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 silliness but i just i love this place we love this place. Good to have my best friend with me. She's, uh, she's traveling with me now more than ever, and we just celebrated 51 years of marriage. And um, still going to stay with me? Hanging on? You thinking about it? Bubble time? Yeah, whatever. But uh, amen. amen. Shut up. I feel real comfortable with you people, but, uh, hallelujah. Tell, tell the person next to you, this is the year of Dunamis. When, um, when Pastor Landon released that word, I think toward the end of last year or the first of this year, forget the exact timing of it. When when we're not traveling, which we are a lot now with with the direction the Lord has given us, when we're not traveling, we're either watching online or we are here now uh, once a month uh, with you. Part of that is just what Pastor Clay mentioned. Pastor Landon and Heather asked us if we would be willing to just speak into your pastoral staff. And so we spend once a month however many we can schedule pouring into them ministry to them um, clay your wife gave me about 18 pages that she wants me to address in your life um single spaced small font but uh but it's an honor to do that and i really appreciate leadership in particular pastor landon and pastor heather that that care about that because they understand as the church goes, it goes as the leadership goes, and so it's an honor. We'll be with, with Matt and Maggie this week. I, I, I think there are three or four other pastoral staff that we're going to be able to meet with, and then we're here once a month with SLS. And I mean this, I'm not just saying it. It is the highlight of our month to be able to speak into the SLS students. They are the best in the world. I've said this to them again and again. I wish I would have had in my beginning years of ministry, even before I stepped into ministry, that kind, the kind of school you have here. I'm not saying that as a commercial. I'm not saying that because I get anything from them. I'm saying it because it's a fact. So if you're on the bubble, if you're thinking about should I, should I not, just stop it, get off the fence, get get registered because your life will never be the same. Somebody in SLS shout amen. Yeah, it's gonna be a a great time. This is the year of dunamis, and when Pastor um, Landon released that word, I gotta tell you, for me on a personal level, and I know I speak for Jan, we got excited because this is our church home. When, when we're not traveling, we're either watching or we're here, uh, Landon and Heather are our pastors, even though we are apostolic overseers, we are submitted to the leadership of this house, and this is, this is our home. So we took that word as serious as I hopefully, hopefully you've taken the word, and, and, and it's a word that, that I've come to understand as I've leaned into it. It has such, um, such vast and, and significant implications, not, not just for this house, I really want to emphasize this, not just for the corporate body as it relates to mercy culture, church, but for your house, say my house, that it's a year of dunamis for your marriage. It's a year of dunamis for your children. It's a year of dunamis. I feel this real strong, this one. It's a year of dunamis for your business. It's been a tough season, Things are going to turn around and dunamis is coming to your business. Anybody, a businessman or woman, say amen to that. That, that God's gonna to begin to break. It's a year of dunamis in every facet and every, every area of your life. And, and we understand and we recognize the word dunamis. Say dunamis, it means power, divine dynamic, and a lot of other definitions as it relates to the power of God and the spirit of God coming on us, flowing through us. But, but I've come to discover it's, it's, it's more than just power. It is power. It is the dy- dynamism of, of God operating in and through our lives. But, but it's so much more. In fact, as you've already heard, literally, dunamis means, I like this, to strengthen and to fortify. Say it with me to strengthen. So it's not just a warm, fuzzy, a goose bump, a whoo, I feel the power of God. As wonderful as that is, and as, as, as wonderful as I love those moments, it really speaks to fortifying. And the Lord is saying to Mercy Culture, this is the year, say this year, and by the way, we're halfway through, so some of you better bust a move. Right. This is the year to strengthen and fortify the foundations and the fundamentals of our faith. To, to give attention and address those, those areas, those things that are essential, that are, are necessary, that are needed for a strong and empowered life. Why? Because the time's demand it. Anybody figured it out? We're in crazy times. I mean, if you haven't figured that out yet, you've been in the basement far too long. It's crazy what's going on out there. And if there's ever a time we need to have fortified faith and fortified in strength and strengthened marriage and on and on, it's the times in which we live. I'm especially excited when I, when I heard that the directive, the present directive the Lord has is, is given us here at Mercy Culture is, is, is for a, as it relates to this summer season. And I don't know if you've noticed it, it's hot. Tell the person next to next you it's summertime. It's like 85 million degrees outside. It's hot. Now, we're, we're from Tucson, that's where we live. And tomorrow, it'll probably, they say it'll probably be about 113 degrees. That's hot. But it's hotter here. When I went out on my, my run this morning, um, down the Trinity River, I did not go to the river. When I went on my run this morning, I walked outside and like, like it was hot. And I mean, it was, it was like 97 degrees, but it was like 75,000% humidity. I mean, it's so much hotter here. I mean, you go three blocks and turn left and you'll be in hell right now, I'm telling you. Don't, don't make a left when you go out of here because it's so hot. I mean, it's terrible. It's incredible. Say it's hot. But the summons of the Lord this summer, and I love this directive, is a summer of prayer. Amen? Amen? And not that you are prayerless, because you're not. You're, you're crazy praying people. But I feel like the Lord is saying, I want you to set aside and sanctify this summer to press in prayer, watch this, at a new, a new place, a new way. And so it's a, it's a summer of prayer. And we all understand that, that prayer is such a, not only a vital subject, but a vast subject. There are so many multifaceted facets to prayer all different kinds of ways to prayer and expressions of prayer. And, 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 and so when we talk about prayer, it's a subject that certainly can't be addressed in just a few weeks in a summertime. In fact, I, I discovered, like many of you, prayer begins, I love this, prayer begins, the Bible begins with prayer. Way back in what we know as the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, in a garden. And it's in that garden There in Genesis chapter chapter one, two, and three, it's in that garden that we begin to discover and sense God's heart and God's passion. Watch this for our presence. That I discovered prayer isn't just about me needing his presence. I think the game changer in my life as it relates to prayer and took my prayer to a whole new level was discovering that that I didn't need just to pray because he needed me to pray. He needed me to pray so we could have companionship. Because prayer isn't just about getting, as you heard last Sunday, just a wonderful message from Pastor, Pastor Clay and how, how, how prayer isn't just getting, though he wants us to ask, he wants us to bring our needs, he wants us to bring our requests, and he wants to answer them. But firstly, prayer is about a relationship with him. And when I begin to discover that here in Genesis chapter 3, that, that the heart of God, in fact, you see it in one little phrase, verse eight of Genesis 3. I love this passage. and and they heard the sound of the Lord walking. One translation says, walking and talking in the cool of the day. (laughs) I got a smile (laughs) because this was their daily encounter. This was their moment to meet with him. And the implication of the text, and most theologians and Bible Bible teachers agree that this was not a one-time moment, but this was an ongoing ongoing experience and encounter that Adam and Eve had with their, and I love it. One translation says, the sound of the, of the Lord walking, but literally means walking and talking. There was conversation. There were, I get The image is, here, here God himself is dialoguing with Adam and Eve. Can I digress just for a moment? He wants to talk to you. He wants to he wants to fellowship, and, and, and when that revelation came to me, when I begin to see the vastness of his desire to be with me, it, it, was, it, was a, it, was, it was a challenge at first because my image of God was, he was kind of, I don't know, I guess religion kind of does this to you, kind of distant, a distant deity, kind of aloof, certainly unapproachable, I mean, and certainly, he's too busy to mess with you. I mean, who are you? You're his creation. In fact, What you need to understand, that in your creative process, he put within you a divine DNA that wants to connect with him. It's in you. Say, it's in me. me. You can look for love in all the wrong places. That's a hymn we used to sing in church. But sooner or later, you got to come to the realization, what I'm what I'm longing really for, and the, the void that's really there is the thing he put within me, and it's waiting for my discovery, that it's not about all the other stuff. Though, those other things may be okay, but they're not him. It's all about that connection, and, and I know you've already heard that already, but I, I wanted to say it again because it was really really the turning point, not, not only in my understanding of prayer, but in my relationship with the Father, that, that he wants to be with me. I, I really think sometimes Our lack of prayer has more to do with our concepts of God. And we don't really understand who he is. That he's father. We sing it again and again. I love the way the Holy Spirit collates everything that's going on in in my message with the worship. With the worship set, he's father. He wants to connect with us. And and so prayer is an invitation into a relationship, a journey that's adventurous. Indeed, a way of life. And that's what God is calling you into this summer. A fresh a fresh understanding of the importance of it. And I wanna talk about prayer a little bit more, Only I wanna share with you some things that really revolutionized my life as it relates to prayer, some things that really gave me a perspective and helped, if I can say it this way, empower my, my prayer life to a whole nother understanding. And then I wanna share, I wanna share with you some prophetic words the Lord has given to me relative to this church and prayer, that I've been spending time praying about our gathering and being with the Father. And as I've prayed, I begin to feel a kind of a holy download. And, and so this morning, I want to share just a handful of things that I've learned about prayer that have helped me, that maybe they'll help you. But then I want to speak a prophetic word over this church as it relates to prayer. Now again, prayer is the foundation. Say foundation. It's the beginning place. Everything else, watch this, everything else we do in prayer flows out of that relationship. Really, if I don't understand that, then all that other stuff becomes works. How many understand what I just said? All of it's just, it really, truthfully, if I don't understand the foundation is being with him and, and fellowshiping with him first, then really it becomes religious, and that's dangerous. But when I keep it foundational, everything else I do in prayer is born out of that. So the first thing, one of the first things I learned is wrapped up in a word, it's the word partnership. Say partnership, that, I, that I've discovered over the years that prayer really is about partnership. And when I, when I say that, I need you to understand, it's about, it's about God's desire for us, say for me, it's, it's about God's desire for us to partner with him in what he wants to do here on earth. I want you to hear that again. That prayer foundationally is relational, but beyond that, it's an invitation to partnership, that he is saying there are certain things I want to do on this planet. There's certain redemptive things that I have planned for for this this place called earth, but I don't want to do them alone, so I want to invite you into, and the beginning place of that partnership. Are you tracking with me? The beginning place is prayer. So prayer, first and foremost, is, is, is relationship, but then it moves on into partnership. And he said, I want you to partner with me. I want us us to do some things together. And this this revolutionized my prayer lives. I prayed differently because I prayed from the perspective that you and I are doing something together to see God's redemptive plan unfold. In other words, I realized the significance of my part in God's kingdom purposes. And it begins with prayer. It doesn't end in prayer, listen. It's not the only thing I do to partner with him, but that's where it's gotta start. Because if I get ahead of prayer, I'm gonna say it again, I begin to move in works. I begin to move in flesh. Not not bad flesh, not sinful flesh, just, can I just say it, sooner or later, all flesh stinks. Just lean over the person next to you. Yep, he's right. When I, when I get done with my morning runs, I, I love to run. That's my, my exercise of choice. And when I get home, I take off when Jan's still asleep. When I come home, she's awake. And I say, hey, babe, give me a hug. <laughs> not for about a thousand years. Or it's, you take a shower. So I'm not saying sinful flesh. Are you following me? Just when I don't begin it in prayer, the partnership, oh, this is so good. I think I'll say amen all by myself. You get it, it's life change, it's revolutionary. You'll pray differently, you'll pray with a mindset. What are we gonna do? What do you have for us today? Good morning, Holy Spirit. Father, it's good to be in your presence. I enter your courts with thanksgiving. I come into your place with praise. That Psalms 100. I'm here with you and I just wanna know, what do we got on the agenda today? Oh, come on, come on. Even before I bring a a plethora of needs, which he invites me to bring. He wants me to bring. But before we go there, let's go here. What do you need? Oh, did you hear what I just said? What do you need today? What do you need? Well, God doesn't need anything. Wrong, God needs me. How do I know? Because here's the kingdom principle. We can't do it without him. See, everybody says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's something just as important. He won't do it without us. Tell the person next year, we're gonna do this thing together. Me, you, and the Godhead are gonna advance the kingdom and do great exploits. And it all begins, where does it begin? Prayer, Prayer. you gotta start there. So. So important we do that. We we got some kingdom business. Well, and someone says, Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're in the house and I respect you, but you're thinking, wait, 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 wait. God is sovereign. Is God sovereign? What is sovereign? That means He's the boss. He the man. He can do anything at any time, anywhere, anyway. He's sovereign. So, you know, what are you saying? He, he's not going to do it without us, or he can't do it until we do what we need to do. Because God has sovereignly chosen to move in response to a praying church. Could he do it without us? Can I be real candid? Probably should sometimes. Tell the person next to you, he's talking about you now. Seriously, could he do it without us? Yeah. Should he do it without us? Sometimes I think so. Are you sure you wanna use me? Well, I'm thinking about it. No, he's not thinking about it. He's already planned it. He's already ordained it. You are where you are because God had planned it. What you need to do is figure out how you can partner with where you are to do what God is. oh ho oh, oh. ho. Quit sitting around wondering, saying, God, I'm here for a reason. We're not on this planet just to wait until he comes back. Come on, I'm s- preaching so good. You listen to this, Pastor Landon? It's good, it's good. You're the best pastor in the world. I just gotta throw that in one more time because I'm worried I might not be back here ever again. Listen, 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 I'm not trying to be silly. This is a game changer. God wants you to understand how significant you are in his kingdom plan. I, I gotta read this. One of my, one of, one of, I, I call him a mentor. You know, you can have mentors that are, are distant mentors, though I've met this man uh, a couple of times, and I've been in a couple of his his prayer symposia pastoral symposiums. And but more from a distance, more from his books, and this will age me more from his cassette tapes. How, how many remember cassette tapes? Yeah, they're about this big, and and they always. The tape always messes up in your recorder right when you want that thought. It's a demon, I tell you, it's a tape demon. But, but Jack Hayford was one of those men that so profoundly impacted my life early on in my ministry. And he helped me get a perspective on the partnership of prayer. That I'm not just wasting my time when I'm praying, but I am partnering. Okay, listen to what he says. Prayer is essentially a partnership of the redeemed child of God working hand in hand with God toward the realization of his redemptive purposes on earth. That's so good. Prayer is essentially a partnership. Shout partnership. It's God and sons, it's God and daughters, no grandchildren. They gotta be sons, gotta be daughters, gotta be connected, gotta be aligned, gotta understand the foundation of prayer is him and him alone. But once we get that said, let's go do some kingdom business. Let's get some things done for me, son. I could do it without you. Sometimes I think I should do it without you. Most of the angels are trying to convince me to do it without you, but I love you too much. I'm enamored with you. I'll work with you as much as I can to get us to do it. changed my life. He goes goes on. He says, yes, God is sovereign. He can do what he chooses, but he has sovereignly chosen. He has sovereignly chosen to move in response to a praying church. Can God do anything? Yes, but God won't do anything without the partnership of the redeemed man and woman of God. I say it this way, in honor of his son's sacrifice on the cross, I will do nothing on this planet, my son Jesus, without the partnership of those who you purchased with your precious blood. I'm gonna honor you by using them. He goes on, can I keep going? I'm gonna anyway. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Most famous prayer in the Bible which really isn't a prayer, it's really a teaching on how to pray. It's really a, a kind of a, a grid of how you can go through a prayer. But listen is what he says. The obvious implication of thy kingdom come, thy will be done, is that God has limited certain activities on earth in response to the prayers of his people. Unless we pray, he will not act. Notice, will not. Didn't say he couldn't didn't say he wouldn't. I said, he chooses not to until the partners arise. So I have some partners in the house who begin to move into prayer and understand the, the posture of prayer and the power of prayer and the authority we have in prayer. When we understand the authority that he's given us, he doesn't just say pray. He says, I'm going to give you my son's name. I'm going to give you his authority. I'm going to give you the spirit and power. And you'll pray with such force that I will align with it. Oh, Prayer was never meant to be incidental to the work of God. Indeed, nothing of God's will is properly and effectively executed that is not first begun and carried on through prayer. There is a divine principle in regards to prayer which runs through all Scripture. It is this, God is pleased to partner himself with his people in whatever he's about to do. And so it is through prayer, God is inviting the redeemed into full partnership with him. And what a wonderful privilege he's given us. Yes. Yes. Can I give you another quote? You get those quotes? Listen to this one. This is about mercy culture. The spiritual history of any church is written in its prayer life. Can I say it? not its pulpit, not its worship, not its signs and wonders. The legacy of a church that will make a difference is a church who learns to pray. Because if you learn to pray, you'll have some good preaching in the house and you'll have worship that's off, off the charts and you'll have signs and wonders that'll be every day because that is the avenue in which they come. This is so, this is so good. I gotta I got hurry, I gotta keep going. See, the passage is this. It's, it's 2 Corinthians chapter six and verse one. Here's, here's the principle. We are laboring as God's fellow workers. Partners in this thing. So the key is God's looking for partners. Do I have any partners in the house? I got four, anybody else a partner? <laughs> then that means, that means, that means you gotta be ready, armed and ready. That means when, when the boss says, I need a prayer. Well, I don't understand. You mean just praying the prayer? Yeah, it's where it starts. It's not the only thing we do, but it starts there. And so when I say to the Lord, I'm in this, I'm a partner, that, that if he says at about three in the morning, I need you to get up and intercede. Well, couldn't you wake up, Jan? <laughs> and, and the Lord responds, I said, and the Lord responds, I'm not about to mess with her. I'm being silly, but that's what partners are. When the boss calls, you're ready. Does somebody see what I'm talking about? And the availability to assignments, oh, I gotta go on. I gotta, I got I gotta keep going. I gotta, This is not good, (laughs) not good at all looking at that clock. Jesus turned back the clock. (laughs) Jesus turned back the clock. Lot of doubt in this room, lot of unbelief. That's the problem, there's unbelief in the room, unbelief. Do you hear it? Say, I'm a partner. Oh, that's what I love about this church. That's why we love this church. You've understood that and you're moving into it. But I want to prophesy God's about to take you to new levels of assignment and new levels of partnering. You're about to move in some areas that you don't even know yet. You're doing some great kingdom stuff. You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. What God's plan for this house, what God's purpose for this house. Oh, I got some prophecy. Quick, two things, two words, say two words. These two words are really mindsets. They're they're attitudes, they're they're understandings. And when you understand these two words, they will will take prayer to a whole nother place. They're the words, listen to them. Conviction, expectation. Critical mindsets to effective prayer. Conviction, say it. Yeah. E- expectation. Yeah. Now let's talk real quick about conviction. W- what is conviction? Biblically, conviction. Sim- I'm not talking about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You've done something wrong. He comes after you. That, that, I, I don't like it, but I need it. Somebody say Amen. Yeah. That, by the way, you know that's one of the, one of the uh, uh, assignments of the Holy Spirit, to convict, you know, but, but, but that's not what I'm talking here. Conviction here is a deep, as it relates to prayer, conviction is a deep-seated confidence or certainty that he hears me. You gotta have that if your prayer's gonna be effective. Because if you don't think he's listening, if you don't think he hears, you ain't gonna pray real good. I'm not being ugly. But you're gonna get frustrated because, well, he's not listening anyway. I mean, who am I for him? But you gotta have the conviction and and understand. You see, my prayer isn't just religious rhetoric. It's not just reciting some words. I am making contact. When I have the conviction that when I pray, yes, sir, I'm listening. I'm leaning in. I'm hearing what you're saying. It changes my whole prayer focus. Suddenly I pray with a conviction that man, I'm making, I'm making, I'm making contact, that that he's listening. L- listen to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5.14. I think it'll be on the screen. Good, good. Thank you guys. Our gals. I think it's mostly gals back there today. Thank you so much. 1 John 5.14. And this is the conviction. One translation used the word confidence, but they're interchangeable. This is the conviction which we have that when we pray, what? What? I have the conviction, the certainty, yes, the assurance from the Holy Spirit that when I pray, here's the problem, you gotta pray to be heard. In church we pastored, when I went like this, it was duh. Come on, people. You're not heard till you pray. And so, so it says in the text, he says, he says, we have the conviction. I like this one, Jeremiah 29 verse 12, Jeremiah 29 verse 12. When you call, when, remember you got to call, call home ET, get on your spiritual phone and dial it up. You know what the dial is on your phone for Jesus, for, for, for prayer. The beginning point is worship. Come into his courts with praise and adoration. Spend some time just loving on him. Spend some time telling him that he means everything. Spend some time listening how much he means to you. But he said, when you call upon me and pray to me, I will listen to you. Tell the person next to you, he's listening. Oh God, create the conviction in us that we're making contact and that we are, and in fact, we, we got to go a step further. We've got to believe not only that he's listening, but that, 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 that we can pray where our prayers are making a difference, that our prayers can change things. No, God changes things. No, no. We change things. Come on, people. You got to get it. He doesn't. We do. Somebody say amen. Amen can he without me? Oh, come on, we've been there already. Yeah, probably should. But thank you, you don't. I'm amazed, pardon my emotion. I'm overwhelmed that you would choose to use me. And by the way, he doesn't listen to you and answer your prayers because of perfection, because we don't pray from perfection, we pray from position. I am seated with him in heavenly places. I may have some weaknesses, I may have some struggles. I'll talk about somebody right now who had some of the human tendencies we all have, but God still listened and God still answered and God changed the climate of an entire culture. Who am I talking about? Big man Elijah, probably one of the most well-known and most loved prophets of all Israel. And yet it says in James chapter 5, by the Holy Spirit, James 5 and, and verse 17 and 18, and Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Tell the person next to you, he was a lot like you. Yeah, yeah. He was the guy that when, the, when, when old Jezebel began to threaten him, he took off running. Just called fire down from heaven. Just did great exploits for God. And the next minute he's hiding in the cave, saying, oh God, just take my life. I just, I'm not going to make it. I'm the only one serving you. I love Elijah. He gives me hope. Because I've been in those caves. I've been in those caves. Anybody else been in those caves? I'm done. I'm done. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll eat some worms. (laughs) It's in the Bible somewhere. I read it in Hezekiah. I think it's in there. And God just says, i got patience. Hold on. I'll minister to him. I'll speak to him. And when he finally did, Elijah changed. But he said he was a man with a nature like ours. But he prayed. Say, but he prayed. prayed. And he prayed that it might not rain. Is the scripture up there? Prayed that it might not rain. And for three and a half years it didn't rain. You talk about power. You talk about authority. Watch this, watch this, watch the juxtaposition. Did not rain because he prayed. Oh, can you can you believe you had that kind of power? Can you believe that you can come to a place of relationship and partnership, that when God says, I need you to pray this prayer and you pray and he answers it? Come on, little Susie, let's get on with this thing. He prayed and it did not rain. Then when it was time to make a change, he prayed and it did rain. And the entire climate, we can change the culture. Stop believing, stop being intimidated. Stop letting the media and everybody else tell you they're more powerful. No, no. I got a name that's more powerful than any name. I got a spirit inside me that's more powerful. I can call a mountain and tell it be, oh, oh, I feel like preaching up in this house. Don't you let the devil tell you you can't. You gotta figure out who you are. You gotta figure out who you are. The devil's so afraid you'll figure out who you are. That's why Paul prayed, probably one of the most important prayers in the New Testament, Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, that you might know who you really are. Not arrogance, it's partnership. Say, I'm a partner. It's conviction that God hears me and I can make a difference. I gotta go, I gotta hurry. Now say expectation expectation (laughs) I love you Holy Spirit you're so you're the best expectation is the result of conviction if you've got no conviction he's not if you don't have the conviction he hears you then you're certainly not going to expect he's going to hear you he's going to answer because if he doesn't really listen then why should he answer come on help me you're a little slow, but you'll get it. It, t- it <laughs> took my congregation 17, 18 years to figure that out. I'm not just being silly. If I truly, let me give you scripture. John, John, First John 5:14 said, "We have the conviction that he hears us." Very next verse, he says, "And since we know he hears us." <laughs> Whoa, since I am convinced, I have a conviction, I am not wasting my time, I'm not doing religious things, I am connecting with Almighty God, I'm praying a prayer. And since I know he hears us when we pray, then we expect to receive what we have asked for. (laughs) Conviction gives way to expectation. Expectation gives way to watch out, here comes the rain. Remember the umbrella? Yeah. Yeah. Still with me? Can I digress for a moment? The Holy Spirit speaks to me in in silly ways sometimes. They would be silly to you. They're significant to me. And I just saw another one of his affirmations. That's just the relationship him and I have. We We just got this thing where he just, okay, I just saw it. Just, that's a digression. It means a lot to me. I love you, Papa. For months, the village had been without rain. True story. For months, crops were failing and the people were starving. Finally, the village leaders called called for a day of prayer. Everyone in the village was to gather at the center town to pray for the miracle, to pray that the rains would come. On that appointed day, everyone had gathered, from the oldest to the youngest. The village elder stood in front of the people, looking out at, the, at, at fear, excuse me, looking out at fear and desperation on all of their faces. He could read the questions. But what if what if the rain doesn't come? How long will we be able to survive? And then his eyes looked into the eyes of faith. They were set. In the gaunt face of a little girl, so frail, so thin, that it looked as if a breath could blow her away. Among the fear-filled faces, she stood resolute, ready, and expectant. The edges of her smile, the edges of a smile on her lips, faith in her eyes for the rain to come, and an umbrella in her hand. Rain's coming. Rain's coming. See, see, I pray with an umbrella in my hand. A lot of times when I go to my prayer closet, especially when I'm facing some challenging times, I take an umbrella with me. I know it's silly. I know it's silly. But him and I are cool with it. And in and, and, and the same that you become as a child, you really can't experience kingdom anyway. So some of you need to grow down. And up. Some of you are too mature. You know what I mean, you know what I mean. Little girl, Jan Jan gave me an insight. In the first service, I didn't have it unfolded when I was telling the story. She said, Zane, I believe a little girl came not with an umbrella, but with it already already opened. Here she comes. Where are you going? To the prayer meeting. What are you praying about, rain? Why you got an umbrella? Because it's gonna rain. Well, what if it doesn't rain? No, it's gonna rain. No, it's gonna rain. Well, how do you know it's gonna rain? Because I know my father hears me. I know my father's listening. So it's okay, I got an umbrella. So you're gonna get wet, but I'm gonna have my umbrella. Because the rain is coming, and I don't know what you're waiting for, I don't know what you're hoping and believing for, I don't know where the devil told you it's not gonna happen, but you need to get your umbrella out. You need to go around your house with your umbrella open and say the rain is coming, the rain is coming, the rain is coming, the rain is coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I said the rain is coming, the rain is coming, the rain is coming. In fact, some of you need to sing that old gospel hymn in your house. Singing in the rain, I'm just singing. Dad, come up and dance with me, would you? You know what, I'm gonna tell you. There's an apostolic covering, I wanna give a direction to some of you, not all of you. Some of you need to get your umbrella. It's sitting in my office, the place I see it. You need to have an umbrella. Take it to your daily encounter. Because who knows, that may be the day the rain comes. But what if it doesn't come? It's okay, I'm gonna keep praying. Because it's coming. Well, what if it doesn't? I got a better better one than that. What if it does? Some of you have more faith in doubt I don't mean to be ugly. I'm talking to Pastor Shane more than anybody else in this room, I could tell you story after story how I had to battle through fear and doubt to come to faith. Now I had to believe Building that building in Oakhurst, standing in a steel building, 56,000 square foot of building, steel beams, and we didn't have any more money to finish. Biggest building in the city. We were a one-stop sign town, no more than 5,000 people, but God said, build it, I'm gonna fill it. And now we didn't have any more money, and I'm standing out there, oh my God, I'm gonna be like a, a laughing fool of this community. if We don't have any more money. And God said, you got one or two choices, and you wanna know something? It was raining at two in the morning when I was out there by myself. And the Lord said, if you'll start to sing, <laughs> if you'll start to sing, if you'll start to believe, if you'll start to confess, if you'll start to decree a thing, because didn't I tell you, I know you told me, yeah, then I'm going to answer. You just got to learn how to walk a new way. Some of you, I need to shake off, shake off that fear. and shake. I feel it so strong. Shake off the lies of the enemy. Get some conviction and get an expectation. I got to wrap this up. I'm not done. SLL, SLS students, no, I'm never done. I want to close with two things. I want to close with a prophetic word over this house. And then I want to share with you briefly a prayer partner of mine. I want to introduce to you a prayer partner of mine. I hope you have a prayer partner. I have one, and I want, to, I want you to meet this individual. But first, I feel like I'm supposed to. In fact, just singers, get ready. Just move on out. Just... You already, if you were led by the Spirit, you would have already been on the platform. I'm messing around. I'm messing around. At least Kelly. Kelly's another one of ours. Know how many people's landing has stolen? I don't know how God can bless this this church. All week long, I've been praying, really more than all week long, because. I've been embracing the same directive you have, a summer of prayer. But as I've specifically focused on this gathering and what the Lord wanted to say and he quickened what I've shared with you and I hope it's been a blessing and a help to you. But then he began to download some prophetic words that I just want to I just want to release to the leadership. I, I am certain whether Pastor Uh, is watching, he will probably watch. And some of you should at least encourage him to watch this part of the message. Because I believe as an apostolic overseer, it's a directive that I'm I'm to give you these prophetic words. You judge them. I have no problem judging words. You're supposed to judge the word. But judge and criticize are two different things. Judge means you line up and bring it to the Father and say, is that for us? Is it for now? How do we apply it? Okay, you see what I'm saying? That's another teaching all by itself. But, but I'm not worried about criticize either because I'm just, I'm just a delivery boy. But here's what I want you to hear. I heard the Lord say this as it relates to this, this summer season of prayer. This is not insignificant what you are doing as a church. This is not happenstance. This isn't let's keep them busy. Oh God deliver us from keep them busy stuff. This is an invitation to something And the Lord said, tell them, and I heard these words, tell them there will be much fruit born out of these days during the summer, these days of prayer. Tell them, this is what he said, this is beautiful. Tell them, I have heard their prayers. Somebody needs to hear that. He's been listening to you. But furthermore, he said, not only have I heard their prayers, I will answer. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am not just, listened. I will answer. Get ready, the Lord said. I love this, pastors. Listen, I don't know how it's going to be, what it'll look like, but I got to say it. Get ready for a rich fall harvest. I heard this word. You're going to experience some significant breakthroughs kingdom manifestations, divine interventions. But it's this next one that was so strong and kind of burned in my spirit, a good burn. I heard these words tell them, I'm removing obstacles and I'm making a way where it seems impossible. This is a key word. Two keywords, all of these are perfect, but two keywords. This is the first keyword. Tell them, you are crossing into new dimensions of prayer. You are crossing into new dimensions of prayer. The Lord says, I'm expanding the prayer capacities and boundaries of this house. I don't know exactly what that means. I'm just reporting what I heard. The Lord will give leaders and give you revelation but i just heard the lord say the prayer capacities will begin to be enlarged and and the per boundaries will begin to be enlarged i am entrusting you with prayer assignments that will advance my kingdom beyond your present borders i'm coming to heal listen intercessors now listen we're all called to intercede but there are those who are specifically mantled as intercessors. How many understood what I just said? So you can't get out of interceding because you don't have a mantle for intercession. We all are called to intercede and pray, but there are those in this house, and in per- particular, the Lord said this, I am coming to heal the wounded and weary intercessors. Why? Because they are a target. The enemy comes after the intercessor. Yeah, you're right. He comes after to wound them, to discourage them. And the Lord is saying very lovingly, but he told me to be very forceful to you that are called to this ministry. It's time to get back in your post. It's time to get back on that wall, watchman of the house. It's time to begin to step back into it. I'll heal. I'll redeem. Break off the betrayal. Break off the lies. Break off the enemy. And begin to intercede again. The only reason he's tried to mute you is because you've been making headway in the kingdom. Somebody. Somebody. <laughs> Say amen up in the house. This next one I did not wrestle with. I wrestled with how to phrase it. And candidly, in the first service, I backed off what I I heard. Not this morning, but what I heard when God dropped this into me. Because I was hesitant that it might be misunderstood. I was hesitant that people said, whoa. But you can go all you want. I, I heard the Lord say this. I'm raising up in this church, in this church, prayer leaders. I've been preparing them. They're in your house. I'm going to lead them to birth a new prayer movement. And this is what I heard. And if I'm out of line and I'll be corrected, I'll receive the correction but I felt like I heard the Lord says, he's raising up another Lou Engle leadership in this house. And I respect Lou Engle, phenomenal man of prayer and fasting. But I felt like I heard the Lord say that in this house, I'm raising up another Lou Engle. And as much as he's done this individual, this couple that I will raise up, that I have raised up, they're in the house. He said, I will position them and they will take prayer to even another level, another level. What a privilege. Mercy culture is being given. Well, who are they? Stop worrying about who they are. Just they're in your house and it won't be long. And God will not expose them present them I feel like I could go lay my hands on them right now I won't it's not my place but there have been times on my, on my prayer walk I just begin to weep as I realized the privilege this house is being given you're going to birth a prayer movement that will be another level and especially young, young people. It'll, it'll be all of us, but there's a, there's some of them, of them sitting in that third row right now. Yeah, you're looking at me, young man. You're shaking your head. That thing that sits next to you, I think it's sister. And the next one, Yeah. Yeah. It's on you. God's going to use you to birth a movement. In fact, what I heard was I'm going to make this house like a prayer hub, like a hub of prayer. I said, Lord, what's that mean? That means they will have 24-7 prayer. Prayer will always be going up in this house. I don't know, that means you build a prayer center. I don't know what, that's not my deal. I'll support it, I'll help fund it, I'll do whatever I can. I just saw that this house will be a prayer hub, and I saw, I, saw, I smelt it, when, I smelt it. My wife says I don't say smell right. I smelled it when I came in this morning, first service. I, I know this sounds weird, but stay with me. And as I, as, I, as I walked in, I smelled this aroma, and it was a good aroma. I said, Lord, what's that? He said, that's the altar of incense in this house. This church is as an altar of incense. And if you know anything about Old Testament, Tabernacle of Moses, the altar of incense was that which brought pleasure to the Lord. And for 24-7, perpetually, there would be incense. And incense, the Bible teaches, are the prayers of the saints prayer and incense go together, and I saw that this church will be a church. Doesn't have to happen tomorrow, may not happen for a long time, I don't care. I just gotta unload what I got inside me, that there is a movement in this house, and there are leaders in this house, in particular, a very very significant leader that will begin to birth a movement here first, then Jerusalem, then Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And just as you will have justice houses around this nation, you will have prayer hubs around this nation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, can I finish with one last illustration? Are you okay? You you, you ready? Tell the person next to you, we're, we're about ready to rock and roll. I wanna introduce my prayer partner. You know his name. What you may not know is he's your prayer partner too. I'm talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. He's your personal prayer partner. I, I hope you have some people you can pray with, but you can't pray with anybody better than the Holy Spirit. Not knocking your friends, they're great, but they're nobody better, because he never misses the target when he prays. He's never off target, he's never somewhere else, he's never confused, because he always prays, according to Romans 8, in perfect harmony with the will of God. So when I pray in the Spirit language, Holy Spirit language, I am always praying on target. And I come to understand, I come to understand how valuable the Holy Spirit is in my life, because there are times, there are things that I, I feel, God, I want you to do this, and I just don't know how to I feel like I'm, I've used all my words. And the Holy Spirit says, I got some words. And you can be praying the Spirit. And, and you may say, I don't, I, don't, I don't have spiritual language. Yes, you do. Everybody in this room that loves Jesus and is born again already has spiritual language because you have the Spirit. I'm convinced baptism is just another word for activation that it is activated when you take a step of faith. But most, many of you, and I know the freedom they have in this house about praying in the Spirit, and I wanna encourage you that when you pray in the Spirit, you are expanding your prayer capacities. When you can pray only in your natural mind, you can only pray as far as your, come on, natural mind. But there are times when you begin to energize and release and activate Holy Spirit language. He can take the prayer for a whole other way. Have you ever been, been burdened for your children? three, four, five, six. I'll get a word of knowledge. I just don't know how to pray. My oldest son, struggling in his high school years he loves the lord now and i loved the lord then but struggling hanging around some guys some friends i just didn't like and we were wrestling and and then there were some attitudes anybody know about attitudes and children yeah all that stuff and i was so burdened and so struggling and i'd go to my prayer place and i'd i'd pray in, in in my english tongue and say god i need you to do this and i need you to kill him and i need you i need you I need you to do a lot of things. And I was struggling. And then it was one moment. I'll never forget Jan. I was in, I was in my, my car up there in that hillside by myself, my, my, my place of encounter, just sitting. And I stopped praying because I was so discouraged. I didn't know what more to pray. And I heard this. I, it could have been audible. It doesn't matter. I, I heard it. Audible or not, I heard it. I heard these words saying, would you let me pray for your son? What good is it going to It felt like I was talking to him right sitting next to me in the car. What good is it going to do? I've prayed everything there is to prayer. Oh, no, you haven't prayed everything. If you'll let me, I'll help you pray for your son. And, and let me just tell you, I'll pray right on target. But son, Holy Spirit said, but I can't pray for your son unless you activate the tongue I've given you to pray with. You see it? You see it? And so I said, so I just pray in the Spirit, yeah. And so I put, I put Darren Glenn right in front of my face, in my mind. I closed my eyes. I saw my boy. And I just began to pray. Said, boko boko ta ta, sadara, ta ta ta. No, no, let's settle down. I just begin to pray until, I don't know it was 45 minutes, I don't know it was an hour. And it wasn't an immediate change necessarily, but I learned a principle. When I get to the end of my language, I'm gonna use my Holy Spirit's language because the Holy Spirit always prays, according to 826, Romans 8.26, in harmony with the will of God in any circumstance. And I pray for my wife in tongues I pray for myself in tongues. I pray for mercy culture in tongues. I pray for the leadership in tongues. I don't want to sound like Paul, but I feel like I pray more in tongues than English anymore because I understand the power of that. And someone would say, well, I don't know. But not only does does the Holy Spirit pray, watch this, through you, watch this, I'm almost done now. He prays for you. And that's so precious to me. And I come to understand it in 1981, on an October afternoon, chilly chilly October in Arizona, we lived in Phoenix on a staff in a church there at the time, it was a little chilly, and I was leaving lunch from Jan at the house, and I said, babe, I got a dentist appointment. As soon as I get back, we'll have dinner. After the appointment, we'll go play racquetball with, with, with Wayne and Sharon, we love to play. Racquetball. We'll, we'll we'll go meet with them. We're gonna meet them at the at the racquetball center, and, and we'll go. Got in my little my little car and headed down Seventh Street. If you know Phoenix, Seventh Street is the longest street in the city of Phoenix. I was heading south toward. Uh, uh, past I passed Dunlap. I think I was headed down to about about Mer- uh, about Glendale Avenue. I don't forget where, but I was, that's where the dental was. But all, along the way. Uh, just a little sidebar. I was driving a 1976 Pinto. <laughs> Anybody remember a 76 Pinto? They're called plastic. Pinto plastico. <laughs> With a couple rubber grommets, and that's it. And I'm traveling down doing about 45. That was the speed limit. I'm traveling down the road and a man in a 1965 Valiant station wagon, going about 45, even more, 50, decided to turn right in front of me and hit me head on. I don't remember any of the accident at all. They said later, and I went and looked at the car, that the front end of the car was smashed literally up to the dashboard. They, They don't know how the engine didn't get inside the car. The roof of the car, Split right down the middle where it was like a razor sharp roof. They said, We don't know how your head didn't get split open. Needless to say, sadly, forgive me, stupidly, I was not wearing a seatbelt. My head, my head, my face went right through the front windshield. You could see the end of my head. I came flying back from the, from the, from the, whatever it is, and I hit, I hit my, my, the back of my skull on the doorpost. It had glass. The windows were up because it was cold. I broke the windows, and I, I cracked my skull. Blood's pouring out of my ear. Um, again, I'm, I'm unconscious. I don't know how I did it. Nobody would come help me because in those days, it was very common knowledge that when Penrose got in an accident, they exploded. I remember that but it was from the rear. This guy hit, but nobody cared. They said, they they told me later when I went back, by the way, just for those that are wondering, I did survive. (laughs) It's the guy in the back there going, did he make it, did he make it? They said it literally picked up my car, that little green 76 Pinno. I was going south on 7th Street, literally picked it up and turned it 180 degrees, and it was now going north. Somehow I got out because nobody couldn't help me. I don't know. They, and I, the window was cracked, was broken, I split my side because of the glass. I fell on the ground. And they called, obviously called called the paramedics. They had to use I missed I, I didn't say it right, didn't hear it right. They had to use those heart paddles. You know what I'm talking about? And I, I think I think I, people thought I said the jaws of life, but they had to use the heart paddles on me. My brother-in-law, Jerry, which is Jan's, Jan's brother, loves God in ministry today, but in that season of his life, he'd walked away from Jesus, raised in an assembly of God home. His father, his grandfather was a superintendent. His uncle was a superintendent in the AG, and, but he'd walked away from the Lord. He was married, but he'd walked away from the Lord. But he was the commander of a particular unit in the fire department of paramedics. And so he wasn't with the paramedics, but he had, he had a, 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 a city car and he'd always check on his guys. And he heard about this big accident on 7th Street and he called up, he says, hey guys, what's going on? I said, hey, Jared, we got a bad one. We don't think this guy's gonna make it. I mean, he barely has a pulse. Blood's everywhere, he's got a split skull. Really? Yeah. Well, do you know who he is? Well, we did get his license out. I don't know why Jerry asked us. He says, well, who is it? He says, uh, his license is Zane Anderson. <laughs> and Jerry goes, excuse me? Yeah. Did you say Zane Anderson? Yeah. That, that's my brother-in-law. That's my, that's my sister's husband. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. He says, I'm coming right now. But Jerry, Jerry, before you come, we got to ask you a question. What nationality is he? What do you mean, what nationality? Now, I'm unconscious. They've paddled me. They don't think I'm gonna make it. they are about ready to put me in the ambulance. They, were, they took me to a, a, a neurological center, Barrow's Neurological Center on, on 7th Street and, and McDowell, even though I was only a half a mile from a, from a general hospital, but they knew they couldn't take care of what I was with. And he said, Jerry, before, we, before you come, we gotta ask you, is, what nationality? Is he German, is he, is he Italian, why? why? I thought you said he was unconscious. He's totally unconscious, barely has a pulse. But Jerry, he's singing in a foreign language. Jerry, Jerry says, what did you say? Yeah, he's singing. We don't understand it. He's unconscious, Jerry. We don't think he's even going to live. But the guy's laying on the ground singing. What nationality is he? Jerry says, I'll be right there. Jerry knew exactly what was happening. He knew his brother-in-law was singing in tongues. So don't tell me the Holy Spirit isn't important in your life. And don't try to tell me tongues aren't important in your life. Because while I'm about ready to die, they didn't think I was going to make it. The Holy Spirit inside me, I don't know why he sang. I love to sing in the Spirit. Anybody else love to sing in the Spirit? That's one of my favorite favorite ways to worship is singing in the Spirit. And the whole time I'm laying out. Can you imagine? Can you imagine those guys? What in the world is going on here? You help him, I'm out of here. And you know what I know? What are the chances that my brother-in-law, the AG, used to talk in tongues, boy, captain of that particular brigade of, 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 of paramedics, makes a phone call and they happen to have my license. Why? Because God was only to give me a message that when your body is unplugged, my spirit is never unplugged. When you don't got, and an ability to pray, when you can't intercede for yourself, when you don't think you're going to make it. If you'll let me, son, if you'll let me, my spirit will pray for you and through you, and I'll keep you alive. And there's no doubt. Stay standing, there's no doubt. Stand with me, everybody. There's no doubt if God would have given me the interpretation, I know what he was praying. It sounds arrogant, too bad. I'm humbled when I realize I know what he was praying. Holy Spirit say, Father. Father. No, 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 I'm talking now. The Holy Spirit said, Father, let him live. He's gotta be a mercy culture to minister. He's gotta minister at SLS. We need to have him in Japan and Bangladesh and and Korea. We got got assignments for him. He can't die now. And I know the Holy Spirit was interceding for me to keep me alive. And I've been to all those places and done all those things. Why? Because I'm almighty great. No, because I let the Holy Spirit have control of my life.